This is a familiar passage, isn't it? A lot of us have heard it many times. It's been used in many different ways for many different things. And I've entitled it today, The Most Excellent Way. I didn't read the verse ahead of things here. In, in that verse ahead, it does say that. But I want to remind you, first of all, as we begin this, this is the context of all of this. The first Corinthians here is written to the church at Corinth. And as we go about things, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians is all about the members of the body and what it means to be a part of a congregation. And that's the context that we come into. In fact, if we look at verse 31 of chapter 12, Paul says, he says, But I eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent way. And as we remember the context again, as he shows the most excellent way, he has said already, he said, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Remember that context as you think of a church as the body and how the body of Christ, you are individually members of it, one version says. And then he goes into what we call the love chapter of Scripture. And if we look at definitions of love in the dictionaries, you'll find all sorts of things. I found one here. Love is giving someone the last piece of cake no matter how much you want it. We can do things like that and define love. But if you look at one on the right-hand side there, love, a passionate affection, an attraction, an affection based on respect and mutual interest. You hear those terms, affection. You hear those terms, attention or attraction. And we tend to keep it that way. And there's another one if you go here. Love is a profoundly tender, tender, passionate affection for another person. And we talk about love as those warm feelings so often. And it isn't wrong to talk about them that way. But we know When we look at Scripture, when it's talking about love here, there are different words for love. The word for love here is the word agape. And agape love always brings us back to the greatest picture of love. Because greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And we know what that's based upon. That's based upon what Jesus did on the cross. For you and me. We have to remember that context. I love the definition of love in Scripture. In 1 John 3.16, it gives us the definition. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. In 2 John 1.5-6, John writes, he says, I'm not writing... To you, you, sorry, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to His commands. As you have heard from the beginning, His command is that you walk in love. And there are many places I could go here with a lot of different things, but Romans 5, 6 through 8. At just the right time when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As we look at this text, we read that first verse and it says there, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. If I speak, you and I know the power of words and what they can do. Words said, words written. All of those things that can be done. The power of words. But if we don't have love, Paul puts it in this way, as God has him put it, that we're only a noise. Um, there's the negative effect of words, but there's also the positive effect of words, is there not? In Scripture, I think of the words in Proverbs 25.11. It says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Have you ever had a time where somebody's given you a word at the very right time when you needed it? That is that picture of love here as we go forward. Now, it can be the other way around, too. It, it, it can be a noise. By the way, if we discovered that we had five minutes left to say all that we could say, that we knew that in five minutes the world was going to end, what would we do? I'm guessing our phones would be out. And we'd be calling people and talking to them as much as we could or quickly within five minutes to say those last things that we could to tell them that we love them. The question is, why do we wait? Why would we wait for those last five minutes? (laughs) If I speak in the tongue of men's and angels, but I don't have love, I'm I'm a resounding gong. (laughs) I mean, we can think of it in a very negative way. What's the worst noise that you can think of? This next picture shows you mine. (laughs) You know how that is. But, you know, we can sing beautifully, too, can't we? And not have love within our hearts. We can do wonderful things and say wonderful words, but not have love in our hearts. And we've all done it. We're reminded here, as Paul says, of what love really is. Oliver Cromwell, um, during the 17th century, was the Lord Protector of England And he sentenced a soldier to be shot for his crimes. The execution was to take place at the ringing of the evening curfew bell. However, the bell did not sound that evening. The soldier's fiance had climbed into the belfry and clung to the great clapper of the bell to prevent it from striking. When she was summoned before Oliver Cromwell to account for her actions, she wept as she showed him her bruised and bleeding hands. And Cromwell's heart was touched and he said, Your lover shall live because of your sacrifice. Curfew shall not ring tonight. I don't think I have to go far for you to think about the love of Christ for us when he shows us his hands. That's what love is. If we go down to the second verse, If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, 
And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I have that gift of insight, knowledge, and I have all the faith, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. A newspaper colonist and minister by the name of George Crane tells of a wife who came to his office full of hatred toward her husband. She said to him, she said, I do not only want to get rid of him, I want to get even. Before I divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as he has hurt me. And Dr. Crane suggested an, suggested an ingenious plan. He said, go home and act as if you really love your husband. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait. Go out of your way to be as kind, considerate, and generous as possible. Spare no efforts to please him, to enjoy him. Make him believe you love him. After you've convinced him of your undying love and that you cannot live without him, then drop the bomb. Tell him that you're getting a divorce. That will really hurt him. With revenge in her eyes, she smiled and exclaimed, Beautiful, beautiful. Will he ever be surprised? And she did it with enthusiasm. Acting as if. For two months, she showed love, kindness, listening, giving, reinforcing, sharing. When she didn't return, Crane called her and said, Are you ready now to go through with the divorce? Divorce, she exclaimed. Never. I discovered I really do love him. Her actions had changed her feelings. Motions resulted in emotion. The ability to love is established not so much by a fervent promise as by often repeated deeds. I can have all the gifts of insight, knowledge, and of faith. But if I do not have love, I'm nothing. If we go down to that third verse, if I give all, everything I possess to the poor, and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. I gain nothing. Without love. Now, if we keep love as the definition of, of giving away that cake that we want so much, or the affection, that's love. But that's not the love that it's talking about. It's talking about without that agape love. You and I, and I'll be honest with you, we're not going to like everybody in the world. We don't like our spouses some days. (laughs) But we are called to love. There's a story um, that maybe some have seen in the movie, and the movie doesn't take it to, the, to that point. And I think I've actually maybe even used this story recently. Um, it's the story of the miracle on the River Kwai. The Scottish soldiers were forced by their Japanese captors to labor on the Jungle Railroad, and they had degenerated into such barbarous behavior amongst themselves, but one afternoon something happened because there was a shovel missing 
One time, and the officer in charge became enraged, and he demanded that the missing shovel be produced or else. And when nobody in the squadron budged, the officer got his gun and threatened to kill them all on the spot. And it was obvious the officer meant what he said. And finally, one man steps forward, and the officer put away his gun, picked up a shovel, and beat the man to death. When it was over, the survivors picked up the bloody corpse and carried it with them to the second tool check. And this time, no shovel was missing. Indeed, there had been a miscount at the first checkpoint. The word spread like wildfire through that whole camp. An innocent man had been willing to die to save others. The incident had a profound effect. The men began to treat each other like brothers. And when the victorious allies swept in, the survivors, who were just human skeletons by that point, lined up in front of their captors, and instead of attacking their captors who had done these things to them, they insisted no more hatred, no more killing. Now what we need is forgiveness. If I give all, all these things, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. What am I if I have love? What does the Scripture say? What am I if I have love? In 1 John 4, 7 and 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. What am I if I have love? 1 John 4, 9-12, this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Bethany, you read that earlier. (laughs) This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. That's the primacy and the importance of God's love. Oh, you might say, it's good for a pastor to preach about love. It's essential that we preach about love. God's love. It makes all the difference. We could write a letter like this. Dearest Jimmy, no words could express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the state lottery. The motivation of love becomes the key. Is it God's love that motivates our love? Or is it something we want to get? Paul is talking here, if we don't have these things, we don't have love within the mix of it. We become nothing. Things become empty. What am I if I have love? (laughs) 
One person wrote this as a, well, D.L. Moody actually did this in a sermon. He said, show me a church where there's love and I'll show you a church that is a power in the community. He said, in Chicago a few years ago, a little boy attended a Sunday school I know of. This would have been in the 1800s with D.L. Moody. When his parents moved to another part of the city, the little fellow still attended the same Sunday school, although it meant a long, tiresome walk each way. A friend asked him why he went so far and told him that there were plenty of others just as good near his home, plenty of other churches. He said this, his reply was, they may be as good for others, but not for me. Why not, she asked. Because they love a fellow over there, he replied. If only we could make the world believe that we loved them, Moody said, there would be fewer empty churches and a smaller proportion of our population who never darken a church door. Let love replace duty in our church relations and the world will soon be evangelized. Years ago when I was an 8th grade Bible teacher at Medicine Lake, I had one of the 8th graders come up to me one day. He said, "Um, Mr. Erickson, I've got to show you this. I've got to show you this. And he was excited. His name was Josh, Josh Rosengren. I remember him. I just remember his face that day. He said, look at this. He said, look at, look at John 3.16. He said, look at how, it, how you spell it out. And you can see it up on the board. He said, look at how it, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son, that son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have ever eternal life. He said, look how it spells the gospel. It spells it. And he was so excited. Isn't it amazing how it's there before us all over the place? God's Word. We sinners who don't deserve a bit of God's grace and His mercy offers to us the greatest gift if we'll just believe it. If we'll turn from our sin and let Him be Lord. Oh, the struggle's going to be there the whole way that new nature comes. But the love of God will overrule. In 1 John 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, There are many trophies in this life, but Jesus is the real trophy. (laughs) Do you and I know Him? Not just know about Him, but do we know Him? Do we know the love The love of God. The song that the worship team is going to lead as we end the service today with things in that sense is a song that's entitled The Love of God. The writer of that song searched for a last verse. Couldn't find it until he found what a rabbi had written years ago. As we sing it today, I want you to ponder and consider the love of God. And the fact that if you know that love of God, do you know the love that Jesus gave for you? And the Holy Spirit's the only one who can call into our hearts from His Word. And as we go on in the weeks ahead, we'll finish 1 Corinthians 13. We'll look at those things. But without the love of God, we are nothing.
we're nothing without it, but when we have him, we have the greatest gift imaginable. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the songs that have been sung and the songs that will be sung here. But most of all, thank you for your love. Lord, we don't deserve it. But help me. Help us as individuals to love you above all else. To love our neighbor. Help us to reach out beyond these walls. To love one another here, but then to love beyond too. Thank you, Jesus. You do your work, God.